one of the things that I've always appreciated most about Dr. Howard Thurman is how he approaches suffering. Not regarding it as punishment, not seeing it as a ticket to reward, some heavenly by and by, not perceiving it as evidence. Saint 2 presents The Living Wisdom of Howard Thurman, Session 5, Coping with Difficulty, introduced by Liza J. Brancow. One of the things that I've always appreciated most about Dr. Howard Thurman is how he approaches suffering. Not regarding it as punishment, not seeing it as the ticket to reward in some heavenly by and by, not perceiving it as evidence of a shortcoming in karma or consciousness, not even viewing it as something that needs to be fixed. Suffering to Thurman is simply part of the experience of life. But through suffering, we may discover that which is deepest and most authentic within us. Indeed, through suffering and struggle, depending on how we engage it, we can reach beyond the limitations of our humanness to touch the transcendent. Thurman talks about suffering as a spiritual discipline, clearing the debris that can get in the way of our encounter with the divine. For Thurman, God is present in all things and all experiences, even in crisis. He invites us to perceive and engage the challenges of our human journey through a larger frame, namely the context of our oneness with God and the wholeness and purposes of life. Through this, we are able to tap the boundless resources of the spirit, not only to endure, but to find in the midst of turmoil a door that opens into new dimensions of being and the opportunity to develop qualities and abilities within ourselves that would otherwise not have been possible. Challenges and tribulation may call forth something greater from us than business as usual, to stimulate a creative solution, to motivate activism, to cultivate compassion, to expose more of ourselves to God's presence. Thurman's is not a simple feel-good philosophy. It's not about escaping or anesthetizing pain. 
but intentionally and consciously engaging it to discover our truest self. As we meet the difficulties that are part of human existence and regard them as our allies rather than our enemies, then all our experiences, good, bad, or otherwise, can become our teachers. In these contemporary times, where such tremendous energy and resources are devoted to numbing or outrunning discomfort, Howard Thurman invites us to linger, to wrestle, even as Jacob wrestled with the angel in Thurman's sermon, The Divine Encounter in Crisis, included on this CD, to persist until the blessing is granted and God is found in the midst of the crisis itself. Through this, Thurman assures us, is revealed a peace beyond all conditions and limitation. May you be blessed with this peace. I'm reading two meditations from Meditations of the Heart, and they both deal with an aspect of, of a certain common but important human problem. Again and again, we seek to escape from the struggle of life. It is perfectly normal to long for, yes, even to seek some quiet retreat from the struggle in which we engage constantly. One need hardly be ashamed of such feelings and desires. Sometimes the struggle has to do with the matter of earning a living, of keeping alive with some measure of dignity and decency. Often it has to do with a total series of relationships, personal or impersonal. Or again, it may have to do with the fight for life against the ravages of some insidious disease. In its most dramatic form, it may have to do with some inner temptation, some profound battle, or the will to do with one's own spirit, that which seems to be the right when some easier way looms large on the horizon. The interesting thing to remember is one's own struggle is individual, but it is not unique. All of life is involved, in fact, Struggle is an inescapable aspect of life itself. A friend described the emergence of a seagull from its egg. The process took many hours. There was the incessant pecking away at the shell from the inside. The rhythm of the sound was interrupted by occasional noises of apparent distress and anguish. But always the pecking, hour after hour, until at last the shell cracked from the inside. 
Then the bird emerged, wet, bedraggled. It did not get dry for many additional hours. One has seen a butterfly emerge from its fibrous prison house. What struggle, what tempestuous effort. The struggle of man seems to be more marked because man knows that he is struggling, which means that he must struggle even as he abides the thought of struggle, a double portion. This double struggle is underscored by the difference between the private ends of the individual and the impersonal purposes and forces that surround him. But there is always the strength of struggle. The sure knowledge of the fact gives wings to the spirit even when the struggle is deepest. It is the insistence of religion that the God of life and the God of religion are one and the same. Implicit in the struggle which is a part of life is the vitality that life itself supplies. To affirm this with all of one's passionate endeavor is to draw deeply upon the resource available to anyone who dares to draw upon it. The aliveness of life and the power of God move through the same channel at the point of greatest need and awareness. And this separated from the dead things. But when the sun was shining and the weather was clear and beautiful, the dead and the not dead were indistinguishable. The experience of Lloyd George is common to us all. When all is well with our world, there's often no necessity to separate the dead from the not dead in our lives. Under the pressure of crisis, when we need all available vitality, we are apt to discover that much in us is of no account, valueless. When our tree is rocked by mighty winds, all the limbs that do not have free and easy access to what sustains the trunk of the tree are torn away. There is nothing to hold them fast. It is good to know that what there is in us that is strong and solidly rooted. 
it is good to have the assurance that only can come from having ridden the storm and remained intact. Far beside the point is why the storm comes. Beside the point, too, may be the interpretation of the storm that makes of it an active agent of redemption. Given the storm, it is wisdom to know that when it comes, the things that are firmly held by the vitality of life are apt to remain chastened but confirmed, while the things that are dead, sterile, or lifeless are apt to be torn away. The wheat and tares grow up together, but when the time of harvest comes, only wheat is revealed as wheat, and tares remain what they have been all along, tares. It is the strong doctrine, I suppose, that one has to be exposed to the pressures of life in order to find out what there is that is of worth and meaning and significance, perhaps, in, in one's own life. This is the way of life, and for many of us it is a most difficult way. Given the storms, then we can watch the pressure as it strips us of the useless things in our lives, of the irrelevant things in our lives. And more and more, as the pressure moves in upon us, we discover what is the literal substance upon which we stand. And it is out of this kind of qualitative experience of living that one meets whatever comes and whatever may be the circumstance. Now, one may react to these things with uh, a certain kind of resignation, with a certain kind of uh, woe-begoneness, with, with a feeling that, well, uh, this is my lot, this is, this is the way it is, I'm, I'm sorry. I wish I could could have a better circumstance. We may wallow in a certain kind of, of pity and self-pity and oh, self-judgment even. And this spikes our resignation. But there is a far more creative way to deal with this. And, and the idea is not original with me. It came in, in a quotation that, that a friend sent me. And, and that is that that we can give to the pressure our consent. Now, now this is very important. We, we can say, yes, I, I go along with this. I, I will not pull against it. I, I will not push against it. I will not put the, the weight of my agony against it. But but I will move 
into the vicissitudes of my life with my consent. I, I give my support to the ravages. And when I do this, then the ravages themselves, the pressure itself becomes an agent that is vehicular for my ends. It becomes, in a sense, it becomes my servant rather than my nemesis or my enemy. And if I be a religious man, the pressures themselves are included in my interpretation of the meaning of life and the goodness of God. Common life is lived under the shadow of the event that imprisons and encumbers the sin that opens up always dimensions of forgiveness that we have not explored, the temptations that are conquered and must be reconquered over and over and over, the grief that silently gnaws away at all the dreams and hopes simple plans and far-flung ambitions of the common life, grief that finds no answer in all the ways that we've tried, the fear of tomorrow and what it may bring. Fear of disease that cripples and lays waste and despoils and outrages the dignity of the self. We live under the shadow of the event. of relief and relief. Hoping 